Blog Talk Radio. everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online. This is the TS Radio Network, and our show tonight is Whistleblowers. Our guest who will be joining us in a few minutes is Lisa Belanger, and many of you are familiar with her and her case. This has been a long-running battle uh, in the fight against guardianship. Before we get started, I want to remind you all that these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit taking place annually in Washington, D.C. this year, July 29th through the 31st, and uh, it will be online again. It will be video due to this faked-up virus. Uh, Before we get started here, I've had a lot of questions over the last couple of days about this uh, talk of having passports, COVID passports, Um, 19 states so far have quickly passed legislation saying, and the governors had said they they will not participate in this, uh, that this is akin to your papers, please, and your health status is no one's business. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. Um, this is an extension of Real ID, which was supposed to become fully effective by October 1st last year because only 30% of the people who should have gotten a real ID driver's license had done so, they pushed the deadline up to October 1st this year. Still, nobody was uh, opting for this gold star on their license, not like they hoped that they would, and this is nothing more than a surveillance program that you contract with the federal government to allow them to surveil you and to collect data on you and um, it just bypasses all those pesky little constitutional provisions about your right to privacy, so on. And since this wasn't booming like they hoped it would, uh, we came up with this fake virus. Now, they have never isolated this virus or identified it in any way, not in human or animal. They never did any trials on it. They are doing the testing on the public. And if you step up voluntarily and take that vaccine and you suffer injury, you cannot go back against the pharmaceutical company. They have immunity. Imagine that. And uh, so they're doing the testing on the public. But this is all about surveillance, getting everybody under one umbrella. This has to do with the digital wallet They want all your money transacted electronically. You won't have any cash in your hand, and they can give out what they want to, and they can take away what they want to. Um, It's And I'm hearing talk now about global taxes. They can kiss my white butt. (laughs) I've about had it with all of this. But anyway, in all of that's going on, a long-running problem, of course, has been this predatory guardianship business running wide open here in the United States and globally. We've worked closely with people in England, Australia, Canada, 
uh, France, New Zealand, uh, all over the map, they're doing the same thing everywhere. It is human trafficking of the elderly. Now, this can happen one of two ways. You, you could be targeted, as Chris in Australia says, from uh, the Australian Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse. They're hunting us. Yes, they are. And if you have many assets, as our guest tonight, her father, did, uh, bingo, you're a target. The other side of that is we have these predators, they call guardians, who are doing business by volume. And instead of going after a big case, they go after those poor people that just get Social Security and or VA retirement and or railroad retirement. And they make themselves the assigned payee on all of their benefits and stash them in some warehouse. And we have that one running up there in Detroit who now has 1,702 wards, all of them on Social Security or some sort of retirement benefit like that. She's taken everybody's money. Um, here a few years ago, after stashing many of them in these residential homes that she owns that have never been inspected, one home caught fire, five of men in there burned to death. She was never charged with anything. She just went and got another house and started filling it up. <coughs> but this is the way this business goes. This is trafficking of the elderly. It is done for profit. It is done for no other reason, no other reason then somebody who's a predator wants what you've got. And when you reach a certain age or maybe you become disabled, um, what they call incapacitated, um, you, can be, you can be targeted. You can be put into this system, and there virtually is seldom any escape. The only way you'll get out of it is to die. And they can arrange that too, and they do. Hospice is a handy little tool to have. So... One of the cases we have been following uh, for quite some time, of course, is our good friend Lisa Belanger. And Lisa became involved when her father, who was an attorney, as Lisa is, uh, retired. And he had a sizable estate. And <laughs> the thing was, um, his own attorney uh, uh, guardianized him. And the feeding frenzy began. Lisa fought a multi-year battle trying to free her father from this guardianship. He was isolated from his family, imprisoned in his own home. He was drugged. They seldom were allowed to see him, never without supervision if they were allowed to see him. And Lisa was finally able in the last moments of his life to be with her father, tell him she loved him before he passed away, which I'm sure he already knew. Um, it's important to hear it. So with that, I want to welcome Lisa to the show. And then we also have joining us Terry LaPointe of Real Spark News, who has written extensively about Lisa's case and what's going on with her now. So she's on with us also, Lisa. But go ahead and kind of give everybody a background on this, and then let's get on to what's happening now. Well, thank you, Marty. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's been a long time since I've uh, been able to be on your program, and I can't thank you enough. Um, you did an outstanding job of giving the, the big picture of uh, my family's personal travesty of, of uh, justice. And <clears throat> as you uh, alluded to, uh, this has been going on for over a decade. Uh, 
the uh, guardianship happened in 2011. And I really like to uh, tell, you know, tell the audience what an incredible uh, support system I have had in, in this uh, fight. If, you know, my dad may have been, uh, his life may have been taken, uh, but this fight still goes on. This, this is, uh, this is a, a marathon, uh, to say the least. And uh, I, I'd probably say in the words of Elton John, I'm still standing better than I ever did. So <clears throat> I think the uh, lawyers, predators of uh, Burns and Levinson, if they don't know that by now, you know, I really don't know uh, what to tell them. So it ain't over by a long shot. So there my, you go. Um, yeah, I tell them all the time yeah. through my tweets. I don't understand what they don't realize. But um, yeah. but I wanted, you know, Marty, uh, I, what has been such uh, tremendous support to me is that, I mean, as you know, uh, we, we've been doing this for a very long time together. And that is exactly yes. why I've been able to do uh, and, and keep going the way I have. Um, if you remember... Uh, it started, it actually was kind of like a synergy, okay? Uh, it was Lonnie Brennan of the Boston Broadside, Terry LaPointe, who you just spoke of, uh, of uh, she uh, Real Stark News, uh, yeah. Real Stark News, and yeah. she started when she was with com, And, of course, Elaine Renoir of NASGAP, the National Association to Stop Guarding abuse and really it, it's it was that synergy that really has kept this fire going and, and it, it's this fire is far from this is this is even going even further so I want to uh, you know thank you as always for for being there and uh, keep going there with you know even though it's been a, been a decade so it, uh, I, it so I appreciate been, you having me back on to tell you what's going on. Yeah. Um, as I said, this has been a long time coming. Um, I've been fighting this over a decade. Even though uh, my father has now passed, uh, we still, you know, this, this business is still going on with the uh, estate, uh, you know, the administrative uh, matter that's going on. So, the very people who started this thing a decade ago are still going, you know, they're, they're, they're still going gnawing at the dead bones, okay? Now, three years ago, what happened is, is that because I, I exposed through uh, the grace of God, through Lonnie Brennan and Terry the point, and, and as I talked about you and uh, Elaine, that we exposed this. And because of that exposure, that led to these uh, attorney predators deciding to retaliate by reporting me to the Board of Bar Overseers, <clears throat> even though I was the one who had been reporting these uh, lawyers to the Board of Bar Overseers for, since, let's see, 2012 through 2015. 
and when the when the when the light started being blazing, that's when every that's when they got scared and decided they were going to try and shut me down. Wow. So you know, they, Lisa. So excuse me. Let me wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I want to ask a question. Yeah. In every yeah. case that I have investigated, and I couldn't even tell you how many at this point, but in every state, without exception, the law says that when the person guardianized passes away, the guardianship stops immediately. How is it they are still trying to raid what's left of his estate? Okay, that that is true, especially Massachusetts. Uh, that's the law is that uh, once the person under guardianship conservatorship passes, it that ends. Now, what happened was is that Burns and Levinson, who started this whole thing to begin with, they went forward then to now become. They, now the appointment went to special personal representative. So now they, now they inserted themselves into the estate management, even though my father had his, his uh, will, his trust. Uh, it didn't matter. They, they, so once they're finished up with the guardianship, then they just, you know, they go right to the next thing, which is the estate management. And then, you get, then, then they have their court appointments over there. So, in other words, they've got a back door to keep stay in stay in the uh, the estate. This just sounds like a con game to me. It sounds like master grifters. Um, uh, no, just, this is a this is a this is a well oiled uh, racketeering machine. Because yes, you uh, bet. Exactly because he, but here's the thing because you have to understand how people get into the system and. The, the uh, web that is created, it, to me, uh, I often describe it like a uh, Venus flytrap plant, okay? So mm-hmm. what happens is you have, law, it's, you have lawyers and attorneys who are part of this uh, system where they're considered to be certified court guardians or uh Judiciary, you know, our conservatives, uh, GAL, and they all have this uh, little, well, I should say little, it's a quite a large group that they work with each other. And what happens is, you know, they decide to play, you know, different roles at different times, depending on who brings the case into probate court. So these lawyers often, for uh, example, in, in uh, my particular case, these lawyers actually work, not only are they frequently appointed, you know, embedded in that court system, they work for the hospitals, the very hospitals that actually oftentimes uh, petition to have their own patients guardianized, okay? Yes. So, so you, have a, you have a system where they have so many tentacles of being able to bring people into into this web, okay? Uh, that 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 people uh, generally don't. I, I don't know. I, I'm 
I'm trying to think if I remember if anybody has gotten out of this. Um, I, I can't. I can't think of one. <clears throat> but so you have uh, psychiatrists who are involved. You have, uh, say, social workers. You've got banks. You've got caretakers, and, and, and the most and the uh, uh, horrendous one is the state. And we're going to use air quotes. Protective agencies, okay, yes. the services. Isn't that a joke? Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, a, a sick one. That, I mean, really, you want you wonder how they sleep at night. I mean, this, yeah. It's, it's so. What happens is you have these different players who, uh, depending on any circumstance, they can. You know, anybody can. Uh, drop a dime to the, you know, elder services anonymously, by the way, <laughs> uh-huh. at insult to injury that more, uh, many times you, a person may not even know who their accuser is. And, right. And uh, the, the goal is, is that they bring the, they have this person come in to the probate and family court and they're able to then uh, judicially deem them a ward of the state, which means that once right. they, once that happens, the they then appoint a uh, a guardian, a court appointed guardian, and once that happens, uh, the, the sometimes a person can be both a guardian and conservator. Sometimes they have, you know, one separate duties. Yeah. You know, sep- you know. Yeah. So you know, it depends. But once that happens. They have complete control over this person, even when a person has family members. Okay, we're not. So here's the myth. I think most people think, well, you know, a lot of times this is when you know people, uh, you know, they don't have families and you know, uh, or friends right. or so forth. That is that is a myth. Uh, yes, it is. This happens. So what, even though, and, and as I, I've laid out in a lawsuit that I filed in 2015, which is why the, the bar is actually coming after me, because I actually proved the court documents that happened to say bad things about particular judges and attorneys who did criminal things, and they didn't like that, even though it's the truth. No. I yeah. know. Go, go figure. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> So, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm sorry. Um, so what happens is, once you're you're uh, caught up in this web, there's a pattern. Okay, I laid out on uh, not just my case, but I did research for years of going to various courts and. Uh, and I saw different files, and I, I mean, we're talking little years, okay? And I was putting the pieces of the puzzle together, okay? So what happens is, even when usually there might be a, a family that maybe one sibling is not on the same page as the others, um, the uh, usually the guardian or the, the protective services, they use that person as a pawn and what happens is yes just, even if you don't even if you have paperwork that 
you know, as valid as can be long ago, uh, where you've got the durable power of attorney, and it supposedly lays out everything that that person wants and says who they want to be their guardian and so forth. It, it, once it goes into the court system, it, it doesn't matter. It's as good as, it's not even as good as toilet paper, all right? Toilet paper is more valuable. Lisa, Lisa, this is one of the things I have objected to. And Terry, I know you're on here too. If you've got any thoughts on this, chime in. But the idea that a law firm can sell you estate plans that supposedly guard against conservatorship, guardianship, and they name people for supported decision-making and all of that, durable power, durable medical powers of attorney, uh, what they want done with their estate, who's to inherit the whole nine yards, and they charge them a fortune to set these estate plans up. And yet, once in probate court, that hearing examiner, ministerial clerk who sits up there uh, pretending they're a judge of the law will discard those instruments as an obstacle to taking care of that person. Now, I don't know what that... And everything that was contained in those documents is now gifted to this predatory guardian and their attorneys. Now, this is loss of legal capacity, which globally is considered a no-no. You can't lose legal capacity, but it happens in probate. And this thing of taking away all of their rights, stripping them of everything, is called legal agency. And so what they do is they strip the person of their identity. They have suffered a civil death. They do not exist as far as the common law is concerned. And now the guardian presents himself, himself or herself as that individual and begins plundering the estate. My, my point is this. Let's go back to that law firm that sold those plans, those estate plans. One of two things is true here. Either they sold that estate plan knowing that it wouldn't hold water and they were lying to their client, or they are knowingly and they are knowingly selling a fraud. I want to know why people cannot go back, the family can't go back against the law firm that sold this bogus plan and sue them for fraud. Why should anybody, especially a probate examiner, be able to discarding, discard legal instruments. And Terry, like I said, I'd like you to chime in here. You handled or wrote the summary account of that Bashinsky case, and she also had these plans in place, and they discarded them, didn't they? Yes. They, discur- they, yeah. discarded, they discarded them in just about every case I've looked at. Uh, we're yes. looking especially at Judge Alan King in Birmingham, Alabama, in Jefferson County, and he just tosses them aside like they're nothing, and he just completely, yes. utterly disregards them. And, in fact, in this story that I just pu- that just got published yesterday about the Caddis family, the um, late husband of the, the woman who was taken under guardianship had left a family trust and he had appointed one of his sons-in-law as the trustee and over that that um, trust. Well, they just came in and took that away, too, and they, they made him step down. They forced the son-in-law out and put in the predatory guardian, 
as the trustee over that uh, trust that the uh, that the late husband had left in order to provide for his family after he was gone. Right. See, that's the right. flavor. There you go. Okay. It's a pattern where the the uh, the guardians come up with, you know, they fabricate and, and they will make the family to look out to be looking like villains as if they committed crimes, of course, you know, fabricated, and, and they'll they'll get restraining orders. I mean, there is nothing that that these people don't make up, uh, and and what's really telling is that they come up with these fictitious uh, accusations, but they don't ever, or usually, they don't report it to the police. Usually there's no uh, criminal charges brought, because if criminal charges are brought, then the person actually has an opportunity to be able to show that that it's, you know, fabricated. So, they they purposely don't bring in the uh, the law enforcement, and and they routinely just ousting family members based on complete fabrications. You know, and that's the thing, uh, I've, which I've tried to explain to people, and maybe both you girls can add into this if you like. But the idea, see, what many people don't understand is when you go into one of these tribunals, this is not a court of law. This is a tribunal, and it was set up, especially it's a tertiary court system. It's predicated on the military tribunals that do not follow the Constitution, and the reason for that is that when you sign up for the military, you have expatriated yourself, and you have no constitutional rights, and you don't get your citizenship back until you are drummed out of the service. and But during that time, you are a government employee, the name GI, your government-issued property. So the tribunals are set up so that they could um, run their own so-called justice system. They have their own judges, attorneys, their own codes and statutes, and nobody can interfere with that. So they set up these tribunals for probate and family courts. You do not that that guardian can levy any charge they want to uh, the usual laundry list is um oh they we found them living in filth and squalor they were covered with urine and feces they were starved to death they showed signs of neglect and they are never asked for and never do they produce one iota of evidence to support those charges and they are not required to probate tribunals don't follow the code of civil procedure, and they don't follow the rules of evidence. So they can stand well, up there and say whatever they the want. And, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and they can stand, and you have no choice if you're even allowed into your own hearing. And many times people don't know they've been guardianized until somebody shows up to the door with a warrant. It's done in a court, in a tribunal. They never knew anything about it. They weren't given due process. No notice of the hearing, right. nothing. This boom, you're gone. That's right. And well, particularly, right. that's right. Many times these hearings are held, and and the actual person who's been being placed under a ward is not even brought into court. Right. 
Right. They don't know it. They don't even know it's happened. Uh, Terry, have you encountered this? Well, yes. Um, the assistant to Mrs. Bashinsky. Okay, this is the Golden Plate heiress worth um, a couple hundred million dollars. And they, the um, predators filed this. It was, uh, it was actually employees that had been fired, a lawyer and another employee that had been fired. And it looks like from the evidence that is accruing that, that they had been planning this for some time. And so the day they were fired, they, they filed this um, petition to have her guardianized. And the, there was no notice. They didn't know about it. And they found out about it because this, this um, guardian came to the property, came through the open garage and walked in the house and plopped down in the, her office chair and said, handed them the card and said, hey, I'm your guardian. I'm taking over from here. I mean, it's really a whole oh lot God. like that movie. I care a lot. Yeah. 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 They had no clue. And, and he just came in and said, um, I'm taking over from here. Yeah, this and is she just, wasn't, she just, had no so, dementia. No. But, hmm, go no. ahead. But, no, she no, had no dementia. Well, that was often the allegation. they do not. Often they do not. And what they usually do is that they'll get court-ordered uh, forced antipsychotic drugs that then yes. debilitate them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or, okay. or they can but have you, an infection, like a, a urinary tract infection. I, know, I learned this uh, through some of these stories that a urinary tract infection will cause symptoms that, that mimic dementia. It's just a urinary yes. tract infection. And that's in, yep. in the elderly. It doesn't do this in younger people, but in the elderly, it causes symptoms of dementia. And there can also be just a normal reaction to a medication, some kind of reaction, and then they're, they're a little bit spacey or whatever. Well, you know, I was spacey today because my blood sugar dropped, and I was like, you know, I need to go on yeah. and eat because I'm just – I was spacey. Yeah. Um, I guess if right. you'd have caught me then, maybe you could have said something. It was, I mean, I knew exactly what happened, and I knew exactly how to fix it. But, yeah. you know, if you have the wrong person at the wrong time, they can turn that into, oh, let's take over your life. Well, and this is why and many times, like, if an elderly person is in the hospital and they've got urinary tract infection, yeah. they won't treat it because it causes them, it really messes with their head, in the, like you say, Terry, in the elderly people. And they will be just confused and muddled. And this is used many times to say, right, well, they see, they're incapacitated. Right? Yes. These hospitals, yes. ERs, medical providers getting, you know, they have financial incentives here for that to, to right. uh, you know, they're getting kickbacks. Lisa, right? just for, for our, the background for, for our audience, how did this come about for your dad? Um how did you find out this was afoot, what was going on? Okay. Uh, well, for me, my my dad and I were extremely, extremely close. Uh, um, and uh, he always wanted his family to be around him, take care of them and so forth. And, you know, my dad was, uh, you know, retired. His, unfortunately, his uh, second wife had, had passed away. And, you know, this started to be a noticeable, you know, problem for him in terms of memory. But it was not, you know, 
devastating. But it right. was recognizable that he needed his family around him. And right. So uh, basically, uh, unfortunately, uh, my family involved uh, has one sibling that that uh, very uh, problematic, and um, through a series of events, my father ended up in a in a uh, going to by nine one one to the Beverly Hospital. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what happened is a a care provider. So this is another thing people need to know. If you, if you're hiring people to to take care of your loved ones, um, you know you you try and you know you have to really be careful and vet the people who you're trusting your loved ones with. Right. So. This caregiver uh, happened to call 911 saying that there was a, uh, that my father supposedly was being of harm to himself and to her. Now, here's the thing. The police report shows that when the police got there, that that, the thing that that woman stated, okay, was not corroborated, okay? So my... It shows in the police report that my father was was not he was he was you know he was able to be spoken to and and, and he, he that he was being cooperative there was no problem with him per se as being agitated other than trying to you know trying to explain that <laughs> that there's a, you know that what was being said was was not true okay so. You know, anybody makes that 911 call, okay? So because of that, even though the police saw that it was not corroborated, they automatically, just because the call was made, sent him to the ER to be evaluated. And that is the beginning of the end. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, we went to the hospital. In my particular circumstance, you know, I was my father's, Durable power of attorney. Uh, not to mention that uh, my husband and I and my children were living with him, taking care of him. Uh, at the hospital, uh, they were well aware of the durable power of attorney, um, but they were they were acting in a very clandestine way. You know, they kept him for two hours without my being able to see him. And as I told you. I later found out that uh, the hospital's attorney, okay, is a very well-embedded person in the that probate and family court guardian system, okay. He's appointed mm-hmm. on a regular basis. This is this is you know this this is his uh, you know his you know second business. You know, other than other than working for the hospital and doing estate planning, okay. So mm-hmm. what happened is the uh, they have a system where they direct you know patients to 
the, the psychiatric facility, okay? So there's evidently, because the psychiatric facility that my father was sent to, the attorney that worked for that, that uh, psychiatric hospital happened to be also embedded in the same family probate and family court system. In fact, I can't tell you how many cases that the attorney for Desley Hospital worked with the attorney from Whittier Pavilion on the same damn case. They just switched places. One time, one would be a conservator, one would be a guardian, or a GAL, okay? So uh-uh. you, you see how they have this system uh, worked out? So they make these placements, yeah. you see? It's, yeah. They, so, yeah. you know, there's the financial incentive again. So in my instance, they didn't tell me that my father was going to a psychiatric lockdown facility. They told me uh, the name is Winnie Pavilion. Now, that I hadn't heard of a hospital or facility before, and that itself did not, you know, send off any red flags. They didn't, they didn't say psychiatric facility or any of that, you know, anything that would, you know, red flag it. Chip you off, so they, yeah. They, yep. So what they said to me is they led me to believe that they were uh, sending them to the, the special facility to uh, find out exactly, you know, what, you know, about the dementia, to, you know, find out what stage or, you know. And so, you know, being a, you know, <laughs> I thought I was uh, doing the right thing by uh not you know saying well that's good you know I'd love to know you know we know my father's having problems so maybe it's good that you know he'd be evaluated to see about you know the old time of the dementia and lo and behold so they sent him to that facility the next day I get a call from the uh, facility from uh, I, I think it was the uh, nurse telling me that I'm not allowed to come there because they said my global power of attorney isn't valid. <laughs> what is my global power of attorney? And exactly, exactly how is it not valid? And by the way, how does that have to do anything with my going to see my father? So yeah. the thing is, they knew ahead of time. Uh, it was preventative. They already knew ahead of time that they were sending my father, in, in, you know, into the probate and family court system. Uh, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a routine, you know, plan for them. It's a playbook. What happened was they put yes. it into a three-day, uh, you know, uh, order that they have, say, you know, based on, based on fraud, you know, fraud, saying, you right. know, that he was, uh, you know, being psychotic and so forth. And full well knowing that he had family and so forth, the hospital, right. through that attorney, filed for a six-month long-term civil commitment. Wow. Because that way, you see, that's how they get the three days, because it's only three days. So they need to extend it, Right. So that they could be able to, you know, get all the paperwork done to get them as to be awarded the state. Wow! And that's when the hell began. 
you know, and this is something that it just it, this is such a well, like you say, a well-oiled machine. This is racketeering at a level most of us couldn't even and don't comprehend. I know when I was first in this, Lisa, and Terry, you may have experienced this too. Um, I was first, it was disbelief. It was, oh, this couldn't happen. You must have done something wrong. There's something you're not telling me. Uh, you know, I came up with all and then to hear people today um, express those sentiments after all we've exposed about this cartel that's running just really astonishes me. Of course, those are the people who, when this lands on their doorstep, will scream the loudest, help me, help me. And But this that they get away with this. And I'm going to tell you, girls, there's something else behind all of this that just eats at me, and that is the absolute silence and refusal of our state and federal legislators to address this. The feds say, oh, that's state's business, so we can't get in it. But they'll pass all other kind of laws that affect the elderly. And on the state level, you have, like, first fiduciary up in Minnesota that's running in the Dakotas, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. That it, with their magic corporation, it's magic how they convert other people's assets into their bank accounts that have their claws so deep in the legislature, you can't get anything done. The absolute silence from people we have elected and put to office in light of all that has been exposed, the trafficking of the elderly is absolutely a national disgrace. And I, I, it's going to take a groundswell of common people to stop this. But seeing how now they're categorizing everything, everything we say as supposedly hate speech or supposedly as a threat or we defamed someone, citing facts that you have documentation for is not defamation. It's just the facts. That's all it is. And but we just can't. Um, I, 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 I am so sick of these political people. And all of that, you know, I'm going to work for the people, but you are not. You're going to get in there and make as much money as you can. You'll sell us out at every opportunity as long as money goes in your bank account. And I don't know how to stop this. 14 years into this, and one legislature after another turning over, going Republican, and I'm a political atheist. I don't believe none of them. Their mouths open, sounds coming out, they're lying. And it makes no difference. You know, I've tried to explain this to people. It makes no difference which political party they refuse to acknowledge or do anything. And so we're on our own out here. Well, on our own, but but, let me, and especially in my case, okay. And this is, and this is uh, across, across the board. Um, The Massachusetts, Attorney, state attorney general, okay, is refusing to even acknowledge evidence and documentation of this actual uh, fraud that's going on. I can't even yeah. get Maura Haley, okay, to give me a response, okay? I can't tell you how many emails... Uh, I have sent to her, okay, and said, uh-huh. okay, uh, this, this is even worse, okay. <clears throat> in 2005, uh, excuse me, 2015, when I filed my civil racketeering action, 
okay? What happened uh-huh. was she actually, the, the Commonwealth, she filed an appearance, okay, and actually, in effect, acted as a criminal defense counsel for these predators, okay, because they happen to be wow. public officials. Somehow, they have created the mechanism that the AG office is acting as defense counsel for public officials, okay? Wow. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that one, okay? Yeah. For, you know, wow. let me tell you, I, I could have sworn, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, you don't have to have your JD, you don't have... Let me tell you something. I could have sworn that the uh, uh, Attorney General's office stood for prosecuting criminal. Okay, this is how disgusting mm-hmm. and how uh, uh, embedded this this cronyism that is going on with lawyers and judges. Wow. Okay? You know, it, I mean, you know, we're in real trouble. I mean, that that's in real trouble, right? When you can't get right. the AG to do a flipping job, and she, in the face of it, actually acts against the public interest. And these judges are allowing it, okay? Just, but Lisa, I mean, Lisa, Lisa yeah. in the last five years, I've had the federal DOJ and the state of Minnesota Attorney General's office tell me almost word for word, almost verbatim, the same thing. You're operating under delusional thinking. We are not here to protect you. We are here to protect the state from you. Oh, and it took me a while for that to sink in. But it's just like when, um, uh, and Terry, you've probably encountered this too. The police are called in these cases when these people show up unannounced and you're guardianized and we're taking you to old people's prison called a nursing home. Um, and you call the police, uh, the police will side in with the guardian. They They won't help you. If you go to the sheriff's department, They tell you that's out of their realm. They can't do anything about it. They tell you to go to the state attorney general who tells you to go to the police. And it goes around and around and around. That a state agency or actor will not go against any other state agency or actor. They won't do it. It's a cover-your-ass system, and um, it's just – You you know, one thing they do, you know that gaps that went to – uh, Congress about the Britney Spears case. I hate to even bring that in here, but um, they turned around and filed charges against him for, uh, you know, something to do with minors. And they've been sitting on this information for years. And, and people understand something about politicians. They, they There's people constantly gathering information on them. There's people constantly watching what they do, where they go, who they do it with. And they just sit on it and wait. And any time they step out of line, boom, this stuff just magically shows up. And they get charged many times or their name gets just absolutely trashed in the mainstream media. But they're all blackmailing each other. They're all extorting each other. Uh, I've never seen people with, you know, as a group to have such a low level of morals. It's oh, like okay. these people well, do anything. So let's Go take, ahead. What? Take my case. Take my case, for instance, all right? 
I actually yep. prove that members of the Massachusetts Board of over bar, board of bar overseers, okay, uh, the chair Jeffrey R. Martin, who also happens to be managing partner of Burns and Levinson, and the attorney we hired, Marsha V. Tazarosian, who's also a member of the board, okay, directly involved in exploiting my father. I prove with indisputable documents that they have exploited an elderly person not only physically and financially, okay? So <laughs> they are the actual yeah. people who file a complaint against me. I prove that they're criminals. <laughs> and, you know, and I prove that they're criminals, and yet they file a complaint against me with their own board. Okay, and then oh this God. goes all the way up to the full bench, which it is now at the Supreme Judicial Court. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and and they're they're just thinking they can sweep this under the rug. This is what is so, you know, unbelievable. Okay, but but yeah. please believe it because I come on. This has been going on for, for for over three years, this particular persecution for my being a whistleblower. I just showed the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts that I'm appealing the uh, the <laughs> the bogus suspension, and I just showed that the clerk of the courts, Mara Doyle, altered the docket of the underlying BDO case, Okay. Oh, wow. It's on the record, but we're all, the AG's going to pretend like it doesn't exist, okay? Governor, Governor Baker, in fact, you know what happens? Here's what happens. This is, AG Mulligan actually rewards the, the perpetrator, and in fact, in the other day, let's see, they sent you, send you that article, Marty? They actually made yeah. Marsha. I'm sorry. I got to I got to pull up that uh, article. Hold on. I got to pull up that article. What what was it that they made her? Uh, they inaugurated her as uh, on the police commission for police reform. Uh, it, <laughs> wake me up. Wake me up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Right. Okay. Where? See, there is no oversight, okay? That's right. the problem. There is no oversight. The, the state bar, okay? The, 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 I mean, my case is a perfect example, okay, <laughs> of how the self-policing is a complete sham. Yes, it is. Terry, did I'm you have something you wanted to add in here? Right, um, it's very similar to what I saw with the child abuse and um, the child child protective services. And as you know, I, prop, I covered that. I covered a lot of those stories for years and, and didn't cover a lot of the guardianship stories, but I see so many similarities. And the more I get into studying guardianship, I'm seeing so, how it's so similar. It's the same thing over and over. And yeah. I went a few years ago to a, a um, child protective services task force 
um, legislative meeting at our state capitol. And and they didn't know who I was. I just came in. It was open to the public, and I came in, and I was the only non-stakeholder, I guess, that was that was there. And they didn't know who I was, and they they were they were patting themselves on the back and talking about the accountability and how this and that and and how the public, if there's a problem, they can they can file an appeal. They can do this. They can do that. And I got the ability to speak at the end of it, and I and I said and 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 I told them who I was, and a couple of them were not happy. And they, I said, this is the foxes guarding the hen house. You have an illusion of accountability, but there is absolutely no real accountability here. You can do whatever you want. There's it, there's all of this is a charade. There's no real yes. accountability, and and I think it, that it's identical with whether we're talking about guardianship and our seniors and disabled, or we're talking about our children with child protective services. Same thing. Right. There is no real accountability, and they, they'll give they'll give an illusion that you can go to this person and you can go to that person, but they all circle around to each. They circle back to each other. And, it, yes. and it's all circular, and there's no real accountability. And that's, and that's a problem, and that has to change. Has to. Okay. And, yeah. okay, and, his, and, and it goes to, so, okay, not every, you know, we know there are some attorneys that are, you know, effectively okay out there, uh, the 1% so forth. But here, here they... You know, they may fool themselves into thinking that, okay, they're not directly engaging in some of this uh, fraud and so forth, but here's the problem. They damn well know what the hell's going on, and they're not yep. saying anything, okay? Now, nope. that in of itself, okay, is one of the the biggest problems because they think they're, you know, that they can sleep at night because they're not the actual ones doing it. Guess what? Bullshit. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, and that's the thing you know too. They... Shame, shame on them. Their silence, okay, is complicitness. Okay. And yes. that's the problem. So what, so let's have something positive here, okay? We're, we're gonna we're gonna show that there's something positive that, that's gonna come out of this, okay? Okay. Yeah, people need to people need to know that light is the only disinfectant, and that's when things are gonna change, okay? Is when people realize that you stand up and you shout from the rooftops because there are so many people out there who are in this situation that when when you shine the light on it that is going to bring forth the change needed and you know Marty we've been doing it for a long time but I'm telling you right now just like, just like uh, we've been doing this for how many years finally 14 uh, yeah okay uh I was a featured speaker on the Guardian Inc. Right? They did yes. a whole thing on on uh, on uh, the racketeering on the particular case with John Savinovich, which, by the way, ha! See, 
by the way, just happens to be that Lisa Kukier of Birds and Levinson is the guardian who got her claws into him. You see how thick that oh, is? Oh, wow. All right? You see? Wow. But, but even though this is taking as long as it is, we are getting out there. And even though Netflix stupidly took it off the air for, for, <laughs> for the wrong reasons, Okay, God knows, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that's, that's going to be a, a whole nother uh, show, by the way, as to that, as uh, to that, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but who would have thought that that would have gone on there, okay? And so when people yeah. start realizing that they need to speak up, that's going to carry the day. That's yeah. what we need. Well, and it's the synergy. And, thank, and God bless you and Lonnie Brennan, Terry. We are making a difference. I hope so. Uh, the thing is, you know, and you look, and again, I hate to bring this virus thing in, but if you see what's happening there, uh, and you look what's happening in nursing homes, they are trying to cull the elderly, and this is being kicked into high gear. We are non-producers. Uh, since we can't be extorted for taxes, uh, we have no value to the government, which views us as human capital, and we are commodities. We have been commodified. Every bill that comes out regarding any of this goes first to the Energy and Commerce Committee. And as I've said many times, you're not energy, so you must be in commerce. And then it's doled out to these, the Committee on Aging and this committee and that committee and somewhere else. And, but we are viewed as a commodity. But at, going back again, this whole system was set up. This whole system was set up intentionally, with intention, to start this culling and the theft of assets, the transfer of wealth. And we oh, are yeah. seeing a shift Absolutely. of the wealth and a disinheriting of families, uh, the bankrupting of families. And these people doing the deed are getting richer by the day. I always bring up Rebecca Furley from there in Florida. We outed her more than 10 years ago. And I, I said before, she in 2007 was bankrupt, which should have precluded her from being a guardian in the state of Florida. By 2010, she was a multimillionaire, and all she was doing was guardianship. And... We ran articles on her of what she was doing, and she they finally busted her here last year. I guess she must have crossed somebody because they sure worked to protect her before. And um, But she got caught uh, ordering the deaths of her clients. And then they find that in her office on lighted shelves, she's got the urns of all the people she's had, you know, taken out. Most serial killers do keep trophies. And you you look at this, and these people are allowed to run. This is what I say. They're constantly gathering information on each other. So when it's opportune and they need to, they can, you know, take the knees out from underneath, you know, and blackmail them and everything else. And the thing is, Lisa, Terry, the same people that do this, people have collected stuff on them too. It's just a matter of time till you know, somebody turns some black secret of theirs out there. But this whole system was set in place. (laughs) Yes, yes, you bet. (laughs) To transfer wealth, um, 
it laissez to disinherit families and then to dispose of this commodity, what is we've seen referred to as a thing, as a unit, as merchandise, these human beings that somebody else with no conscience, morals, empathy, sympathy, no normal human feelings has looked at and decided that they're disposable, dispensable. But they, through this, over this last year, we have seen close to 100,000 elderly people supposedly succumb to this virus that they can't isolate and identify. I don't think oh, that was, so. That was just another, and, that was just another, another net. You realize that, right? Yes. I mean, cause oh, this, yes. this is going on, this is going on for three decades. Yes. And you've got hospice who is on a daily basis hastening death because they decided your life isn't worth living. And we've got hospitals that have been engaged for more than 20 years in withholding medical care, overstepping personal wishes, and ending people's life because they just didn't see any sense in going on. This is going on forever. We've got states, uh, Connecticut and Wyoming, that have passed euthanasia laws for the people with dementia and mental illness. You can starve them to death now. This whole thing... And it's it's coming to a head. This culling, and you're going to well, see more states what? pass euthanasia bills. But isn't that ironic? The very judge who I outed in 2018 in the Boston Broadside, Judge Fred Gaziano, okay, where I showed that he uh, allowed this elderly woman who had every reason to be treated for pneumonia, and she was being deprived, okay, of IV fluids, okay, he had to sleep on it, <laughs> had to sleep oh. on whether she should be given nutrition, okay? He just happens to be the one that that uh, suspended my license. you see any bias there? Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, um, under Obamacare, they, the hospice got $11.5 billion infusion of cash to go from Good Samaritan to Grim Reaper. And the second, what happened underneath that to accommodate that was they redefined food and water, not as a human right, not as a human necessity, but as medical care. Oh, so when they call utility of care, the first thing they do is pull food and hydration. And they start the process of hastening death. And... Um, this and is what not, they do. And don't forget the morphine, because then we, then yeah. we hasten it, okay? We use, so then you add that in. Yep. Well, and that's what they that's do. Almost um, always the, that's almost the combination. Take away the, the, well, the food, they, water, add, pump up yeah, the morphine. But they give them, it's more than morphine. Um, it is called what the nurses from hospice laughingly call a ham sandwich. It's Haldol, Ativan, and morphine, and they start dosing them with that. And within a few days, plus you've got no hydration or food, and you can go quite a ways without food, but hydration you need after four days, the organs start shutting down. Painful process. So they up the ham sandwich, and the person becomes comatose. But their pain is body is still registering a massive amount of pain, and they'll moan and cry. At this point, the guardian and the nurses will say to the family, they're suffering. You don't want them to suffer, do you? Do you? Oh, and 
if you say to them, I want to give them some water, they've forgotten how to swallow. No, they oh, didn't. You drugged yeah. them up so bad. The sympathetic nervous system isn't operational, and they this automatic reflexive action can't occur. And then they come global in with playbook. the kill shot. That is, yep. a, that and, is uh, so global playbook. Yep. And so this and this is what they do. But we have allowed them to redefine food and water and to determine that someone's life, which is what happens in probate, they determine it with, on that at that moment in time that your life is not worth living. And therefore, so-and-so over here ought to be able to just go ahead and get all your stuff because you're going to die anyway. And that's the whole attitude. But do you know what I found, especially with this last election? They, I kept seeing for years, and Terry, I don't know if you've noticed this either, but they'd guardianize someone and they'd strip them of every possible right, except the right to vote. And I thought, now yeah. you just said this person can't do this and they can't do that and they can't do the things normal people do because they're so incompetent, but they can vote. Well, oh, they can what's, what's, what's this about? Yeah, Even well, the see dad, what they you, you vote when you're dead. I just I just yeah. don't want to get a Democrat when I'm dead. That's what they do. That's what they do. And both parties partake in this. They go to attorneys who go to guardians, and they get the names of all of the people under guardianship that have been left the right to vote, and they bundle them. It's called bundling. And they get the names of people who died under guardianship that had the right to vote, and they bundle those up, and then they sell it to either political party, whoever's offering the most money and then votes are cast in those people's names and somebody said to me well they'd notice they all had the same address i said they list a nursing home and i said so you know this can be thousands and um but both parties do this they buy these bundled votes from people that have been made basically turned into property and but that's why they leave that in guardianship cases. They'll leave them the right to vote. You know, you're too incapacitated to even wipe your own butt, but you can go vote. And um, But they don't. It's someone else actually fills out that ballot for them. But uh, it just, it, the whole thing is such a scam. It is such a disgrace what we are doing. What, I shouldn't say what we are, what we are allowing to happen. And we keep fighting back. Terry, you are one of the most excellent writers out there. And covering these stories and getting this stuff out there, Lisa, your case has been a big concern to many, many people across the country. And yet we cannot get one politician to address this honestly, to take that we've had these bills come out in 2019, yes. the Elder well, Justice well, and How? Yes. And what, what's the most... Uh, What's the most common occupation for a politician? A lawyer, lawyer. right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, do we see what we see a problem? Legislators. What what what's their uh, their usual profession? <laughs> Lawyers, right? Okay. Yeah. In Massachusetts, the one who's spearheading all the uh, you know the law the uh, what do they call it the MUPC the Massachusetts Uniform Probate Code, right? That yeah. the, the uh, senator who who saying we're changing all these laws to to add uh, dignity for the elderly. Uh-huh. We'll say we're adding dignity to the elderly, but what is she spearheading? She's spearheading legislation to make it so that they're 
able to carry out their racketeering screen by giving unfettered uh, discretion and, and control to the Guardian. Okay, what does she do? She her she has a law office uh, that includes her daughter. Okay, and the, what do they specialize in? Estate planning, guardianship. Go figure, right? Oh, I mean, oh really. imagine that. Okay, now, so, now, so, it, you, so, so you see, here, it's the lawyers, it's the judges. You want, you see how this this the 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 well, and you know, this that's is the common denominator. Laws. Yeah, this is where these uniform laws come in. And you need to be careful of uniform laws. This means your state just lost its ability, its sovereignty, its sovereign ability to make its own determination. Now, the federal government has said guardianship, uh, they, can't, they can't get into that state's business. So what do we do? We pass uniform commercial laws. Commercial being the operative there, and it's contracting. It's, it, you, you, I don't know how to explain this to people to make them understand. But by passing a universal commercial law, your state lost its right to its own self-determination. Like your state may not want to euthanize outright murder people who are mentally ill or who have dementia. But if they pass a uniform law that says you do this, you can do this. And so this is what you have. But this is a Trojan horse. This is a Trojan horse. Whatever you think is in that law that's going to benefit you, there's 20 more things in there that are going to kick your legs out from under you. And the only reason they want uniform laws is to ease their own trip through this. It isn't to help you. You look at any law that comes out, there's nothing in it to benefit you. Um, And the same thing here. Uniform commercial law is a threat to all of us. And you need to take care. And Terry, what do you think about that? Oh, go ahead. I'm actually not familiar with with that, so I definitely want to look into that. The uniform, I I haven't heard of that. But people need to realize we're all. I think we're all caught up. You know, it's easy to get caught up into the you know what's going on in the federal, you know, national level, but in reality, Mm -hmm. where we really make a difference is locally okay and yeah uh i can't say that enough that it, it, for people if they got active in the local politics that's where we can make a difference okay the difference starts from the bottom up yes and it's really the, the grass root okay the people mm-hmm. people have more power than they really than they really think yeah i mean People just, you know, if people made the time to be able to get active, um, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, you know, they, you know, throw their hands up, shrug, say, oh, we can't do anything, you know, that that attitude's got to go, okay? For instance, uh, I just saw something in New Hampshire where uh, they passed something showing that they're going to be able to do an audit of uh, what happened in the, the election. Okay, in uh, um, mm-hmm. Wyndham County, I believe, in New Hampshire. Okay, so mm-hmm. it can be done, and so people, you know, I guess the 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 real solution is is getting people to understand that that they're doing more harm by by not 
you know, by their silence, by their just throwing their hands up. Mm-hmm. That's right. the, that's the real the real crux of it. And you know, uh, I guess I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what the solution is. Is to people need to understand, especially with this guardianship. Okay, I know we've been talking about elderly and everything. People need to understand this affects us all. Okay, whether it's, yes. you know, uh, mm-hmm. your mother, father, your, your, your uh, brother, sister, okay? It, it, and you spoke about it earlier, Marty, okay? It actually, mm-hmm. it, there's no discrimination here. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what color of skin, uh, your religion. It doesn't care about your political affiliation, okay? No. Nope. And it certainly doesn't care about age because, you know, uh, you've done many shows on, uh, where people are guardianized, you know, when they're young. I don't know, 20 stories. Yes. Uh, uh, brain, um, you know, the, the brain injuries, the traumatic, traumatic brain yeah. injuries. Okay? Yes. So uh, people need to really uh, wake up because this isn't just about, you know, the elderly. Okay? Uh, no. Seriously. I mean, this, and, and what happens is that, you know, until people find out, oh, that it actually is going to affect them, they're in the damn quicksand, and then they're yelling for help. Yeah. So the point yeah. is, is to be yelling for help with when other people are needing help now, because you will help yourself yeah. out later. True enough. True enough, Terry. You, you're. Yeah. You've just basically started in the guardianship thing. You, you, you know, you're not a novice by any means, but it still is a learning process for you. So far, what's your, um, what's your take on all this? It blows my mind how similar it is to Child Protective Services, and people don't realize, just as uh, Lisa was saying, people don't realize that this is going on until it happens to somebody close to them. I was in a political meeting um, with um, an attorney that's a good attorney that um, is fighting for uh, (laughs) a fighting dealing. (laughs) 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 It's actually somebody that's actually, that actually cares, that is being, that is fairly young and is horrified that this stuff is going on and wants to bring about change and is actually proposing some legislation. And there we had Nancy Scott, who is the daughter of Miss Marion Leonard, the, the Alabama school teacher that was forced yes. into hospice and killed and forced into guardianship. And then we had Miss um, Bashinsky's, the Golden Flake heiress. We had her um, personal assistant that came and gave some some heart rending um, uh, sh- uh, stories that, about what she saw and what was fascinating was this meeting didn't get over at the the assigned time it's supposed to and this is one of those meetings that when it when it's supposed to be over it's over and everybody's ready to um, be over with the meeting because you know that's just kind of the way it is they were there were so many people asking questions there were so many people in the room that were um, commenting and saying and I remember one saying uh, and this is somebody who's been very involved in politics but didn't realize how common this is and it's happening to so many other people. And they shared about a relative of theirs who almost a decade ago um, had called them from a nursing home and had said, um, they're, they're drugging me. They're giving me all these drugs. I don't think I need all these medications. 
and and they're trying to take my phone. They never heard from this person again, ever. They oh don't know God. if they're dead or alive. And the, oh this, the, the, the meeting went, oh, a good 20 minutes over just because everybody was asking questions and sharing stories. So I I was really very pleasantly surprised to see there is a lot of interest, but people just don't know until they are hearing in, in mainstream that the tendency is to think, okay, well, this is, if they see a story or hear about it, well, there's more to the story and this, these people yeah. must have done something, yada, yada, yada. Oh, but, and, and, I, and I've heard that ad nauseum, but now there, I, I believe that, just as Lisa said, I think we're getting close to seeing um, some some things turn around. I, I because it's first Britney Spears. You alluded to that the free Britney Spears movement. Yeah. People are starting to see something. The movies, the documentaries, and it's not it's not enough yet, but it's getting there, and we can it's encourage yeah. that. And it's actually, so you know what I want to I want to give a shout out. You know, you most people who know me know that uh, I'm a equal opportunity uh, disliker uh, <laughs> of politicians, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> I'm 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 uh, kind of like my putting <laughs> I'm softening yeah. it. Okay, so you, hold up your seats because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give a shout out and uh, kudos to a uh, representative in Massachusetts because. He this is this really is an incredible thing that he has done and specifically uh you know, turns on what we've been all talking about, okay, pertaining to this guardian not necessarily just guardianship, okay, but Representative Lenny Mira, M I R R A, okay, he's uh I believe um so he's in Massachusetts. I believe he's the second in Essex County, and he actually, based on uh, uh, a person who had been uh, abused by a judge, so to speak, judicially abused, uh, and because she was able to prove that this is a systemic problem, he has brought a bill, a legislative bill, to remove Judge Abby Watts. That's A-B-B-E Roth from the Essex Probate and Family Court. Okay? See that? Wow. Now that, okay? Wow. Now, and you can, you can Google it. Uh, they just did a, a story on it the other day. But, you know, and what do you know? just happens to be the same judge in my father's wow. estate and management, management case. Go figure. Okay? Yeah, wow. So... But this, this is huge, okay, that a representative has done – see, they legislate, especially in Massachusetts, and, and I'm not sure about, you know, other states, but uh, I'm confident that there are other uh, types of legislature. There's an avenue, you see, for legislator, for the legislature to have oversight over the judiciary. So when there's misconduct, okay, and, and I'm not talking mm. about someone doesn't like the outcome of their, okay, of their case. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actual professional misconduct, something that doesn't 
necessarily involved with specific, you know, specifics of the case, okay? There, there are legislative avenues to hold these judges accountable. And when I saw this the other day, let me tell you, <laughs> wow, that you know, talk about a standing O, okay? Uh, uh, so <laughs> this is a, it's huge, and it shows you though that that when people are persistent, okay, get your get your legislators to do something, okay? It can be done because I'll tell you what I've been telling my legislators. For years, but what do they commonly say to me? Oh, we can't get involved in pending litigation. Okay, you know that is <laughs> that's the yeah. standard playbook answer that people will get, and uh, people need to know that you that you need to be able to tell your legislator that we're not talking about a specific, you know, that, that I'm I'm just unhappy because I lost. When you're able to show there's an actual commission of uh, a violation of judicial ethics, yes, they can. So just wanted to, uh, uh, <laughs> very unusual for me to uh, give kudos to a politician, but um, many kudos yeah. well, to uh, Representative Lenny Mira. Well, the, usually the reason politicians won't go after through legislation or any other means, go after anybody. They have the first, that's a different government, and we can't intervene. Yeah, hell you can. And yes, you can. Secondly, yes. And secondly, they don't go after them for self-interest because there may come a time, knowing what they're doing in the background that you don't know anything about that somebody else is keeping track of, there may come a time they might end up in court themselves being charged with something, and they need that judge or the judge's friends to provide them with cover and make sure they don't end up doing life in prison or anything silly like that that you know the rest of us would be subject to. We can't have them people doing that. And so, you know, it's, it, it, there's... You know, yeah, <laughs> you, just, you know, so. But okay, and, and that, Marty, that brings up a huge point as to what happens inside the court system. Okay, right. Why good quote unquote good lawyers don't say anything? Okay, mm-hmm. even if they're not participating in the dirty actual dirty deeds, is because. They keep their mouth shut because they're too afraid. They don't want to piss off the judges when they're going to be seeing them the next case, and they don't want you yes. Know, they don't want want their uh, income stream to be affected. Okay. Exactly. That's exactly what happens. Terry, give me your thoughts on qualified immunity for judges. Oh, Jim, I didn't get that question. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that when there is wrongdoing, when there is criminal activity, it shouldn't matter who you are. I I, I mean, really, it shouldn't, we shouldn't be judging. I thought justice justice was supposed to be blind and not a respecter of person. It should be the case. If if they've done this, then they need to be Mm -hmm. able to be prosecuted. If it was malicious. Now, if it is something that they did unintentionally or they 
they didn't uh, something that is not malicious then that's right. something different. But if, if you, I, I'm sure that if you have the right people looking, you could see the paper trail. You could, you somebody yeah. smarter in this area could follow the financials and see who's getting a nice house or a beach condo or a vacation or mm-hmm. a, a boat from, uh, right. from at this point in time and who's making connections with with which guardian. Because, I mean, we're seeing, um, I know in, in Alabama, we're seeing the same people come up, the same names with yep. this one particular judge. And um, his friend, Greg Hawley, is one of the ones that we're talking about. And, you know, he had a law firm with uh, Senator Doug Jones. So that's uh, a little questionable there, I think. But anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's mm. anyway. Well, but girls, but they, they they're it's like the crony the cronyism the good old boy system, and where where certain people are being appointed the favors and they're getting rich. Oh, yeah. Nobody should be getting rich off of this off of these seniors. There should not be the profit right. motive. And one thing that I've learned in Alabama, and I don't know if this is the, this way in other states, but the Guardian will get two, it's either two or two and a half percent, I've heard both, two percent of yep. whatever asset they sell of the of the uh, ward. And yes. like, say they sell their house for $300,000. They get two or two and a half percent. They get another two to two and a half percent when that money is put in the ward's account over which the guardian ha- is, is guarding. It's and controller. then yep. they get to charge 4% for fees for their, you know, for their expertise yes. as, you know, a guardian. Uh-huh. So, so they're making money hand over fist. They're making it when it comes in, when it making it when it goes out. And then the people are being left bereft and destitute. Okay, yep. one of the stories that I heard from um, from Ms. Bachinsky's um, assistant that absolutely broke my heart. She said this this dear sweet lady said, Melanie, my tennis shoes are wearing out. I don't. Do I have enough money to get new tennis shoes? Oh my God! This is a woman uh, with a couple hundred million dollars. My husband uh, yeah. showed me his tennis shoes the other day, and he's like, mm, "I need to get some new tennis shoes." You know, it's like, okay, well, let's wait till for next paycheck. You know, but yeah, we'll right. find a way to get him some. I mean, it's not going to be next year or next. We're not sitting here crying over can we afford new tennis shoes. We're going to find a way. But here's somebody who's had, yeah. who's put people through college and and financed. Um, uh, finance probably some of these people's political careers, to be perfectly honest. Right. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> and, and she she she's crying or not or not crying, but but thinking Concerned. she can't afford to buy some new tennis shoes. My God. Yeah. My God, how can you look at yourself and how can you people look at themselves in the mirror when they're making an old lady, any old lady, say? Can I even buy some tennis shoes? And let me well, this is what you know. I, I try to tell you there are different. There are different species of human beings on this earth. I am convinced of it, and science is looking at this also. That two, possibly three different species, but this species we're dealing with, these are predators. These are hunters. They're killers. They're thieves. 
they they lack normal human emotions. Amen, they are the antithesis of the of the rest of us. They have no morals, no integrity, no character. They don't care to have it because it's a hindrance. But anyway, girls, I want to thank you for coming on. We've got about a minute and a half left here. Lisa, we'll be following up with you. Terry, thank you for joining in. And everybody, thank you for having me. Pay attention. Yeah, pay attention to what's happening with partnership thing. You could be next, or your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa. If somebody sees them and decides they have something they want, it might just be their social security check. You could be running into a hornet's nest you can't even believe. And believe me, we've run the gamut of politicians, governors, attorney generals, police, sheriffs, whomever. There ain't no help out there nowhere. It's going to be up to us to force the change in this system. I want to remind everyone, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, taking place in Washington, D.C. again this year because of this fake virus. And for God's sake, people, take those stupid masks off. Um, It'll all be on video. But anyway, um, everybody have a good evening. We had a full house, girls. So that's always a good good sign. Go to the courtracket.com. Yeah, there you go, courtracket.com. And, and Terry, you've got Real News Spark. Real News right? Spark. Can I say it? Dot com. Yeah, did I say it Real right News this Spark. Time? Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, an excellent, excellent writer. Excellent writer. Anyway. Thank you. We'll see you all tomorrow night. Uh, be on with me and Kaz on In the Mix. And good Lord, who knows what we're going to be doing. Anyway, we'll talk to you all then. Have a good <laughs> evening, everyone. And good night. Take care. Good night. night.